Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. If you guys don't know me, my name's Pastor Buddy Davis. I am the pastor. It's going to sound really impressive of the Northeast Oklahoma Compassionate Ministries. You know, uh, which that includes, uh, as Liz talked about, a foundation is Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christ-centered 12-step program. That's been going on for 20 years. And um, it, it was birthed right out of here. And by the grace of God, we were able to come up with ABBA Sober Living Homes, which um, provides a safe environment, Christ-centered, for people to restart their lives. And then also lately, uh, the, the last feather or quill in the ministry cap at ABBA is Manor House. And Manor House is a food pantry and a clothing pantry that helps serve people that need food and people that need clothes. So um, I'm going to try to not make you stand as long as Brad usually does. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Usually when I'm up there, I'm like going, ah. all right, let's go. But I know why he does this, you know. Uh, my part in the series, Inconvenient Faith, my part is inconvenient sharing through faithfulness, okay? And it's all about creating an environment of faithfulness, like the environment you're in, maybe the environment in your home, in your house, in your heart. And that's what that is all about. That's what we're gonna do. And it's from, the, you know, it's the seventh fruit of the Spirit, which the scripture's up there from Galatians. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. One of the reasons Brad's, oh, I'm out of the box, aren't I? I'm starting to face. Let me, let me mess with the media a little bit. Okay. So um, let me read the scripture, okay? And it's out of, uh, if, if you don't have, yeah, bring your Bible, pull your Bible out. Uh, Bible apps. Um, you know, I pull out your Bible apps. Brad's always good at this. I can't remember them now. The Bible apps have gone blank on me. And I have two of them. I have the two that you mention every week. It's 2 Timothy, okay? I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read through it real quick. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I served with a clear conscience, just, my uh, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. Maybe seated, sorry. Thank you, oh yeah, God's word, give it up for God's word. That's a tradition. And 
Like I say, it's creating an environment of faithfulness. I got a friend, two friends, believe it or not, <laughs> Jerry and Pam. Jerry has a gifting for barbecue. I'm not talking about grilling. I, don't you hate it, but my barbecue people, when somebody goes, hey, we're going to have a barbecue, and you go over there and they're grilling hamburgers and hot dogs? Now, there ain't nothing wrong with grilling. I like grilling. Hamburgers and hot dogs are awesome. But barbecue is smoked meat, brisket, pork. Jerry makes even bologna. Make a prisoner love bologna again. You know, that bologna. But the sweetest nectar are his smoked ribs. They are truly the ambrosia of his gift from God. And you know what? He inspires others to up their game. Hey, Jerry and Pam invited us over for a legitimate barbecue. And, oh no, man, I got to bump on my man. Honey, you got to make that good pasta salad. Because if we're going to match that up with that barbecue, you know, we got to match that good, you know, we have to do it. And how about the Mountain Dew croissant apple filled things, the crock pot toffee cake, uh, uh, you do the potato. I mean, you really bump up the, the game. I got a friend, Danny Hamilton's looking at me right now. This is how serious we are about barbecue. Me and him send pictures. You know, it's not, it's pictures of barbecue, and it's usually to rub it in her face. Hey, I'm in Texas. At the, look at this. And have you been to Oak Tree? But we send pictures of barbecue, and every chance we get, we try to go get barbecue. But it's not just the food. I mean, you go out to Jerry's house, he lives way in Timbuktu. He lives past Rusty Gunn's church, that matters. You know, he, he lives right, and he doesn't start the fire with bird poop, and you're not going to get donkey head. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look at last week's lesson. It talks about that. Um, it's one of the, it's odd that that's what stuck, but, you know, it's because <laughs> so much of the other stuff was pretty good. But, but Jerry and Pam create an environment that is fun and exciting. I mean, he's got a pond out on his property. There's sometimes he'll put paper plates on the trees and do a little disc golf. There's a pool table in there. When you go to Jerry's, you're gonna get fatter. You're gonna have fun. You're gonna hang out with your friends. You might get blown up by fireworks on the 4th of July because that happens too. I say that because it's a real genuine experience. It's a genuine experience. It's organic, it's real, you know? And, and that's what I want to preach about tonight is to try and create an environment of faithfulness in our lives, in our work, in everything we do. Because faithfulness produces sharing faith. You know, there's a lot of different ways to share faith, but just creating an environment of faithfulness makes it much easier for God to work. So let me go through the first part of the scripture that I read today. It's uh, verses 3 and 4. And it says, Timothy, I thank God for you and the God I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Now, these verses here, you know, they obviously describe a relationship between a spiritual father and a spiritual son, a mentor and a mentee. And um, he, he's talking to Timothy after a period. He's written this letter to Timothy, and they've had this relationship's gone on for a little bit. And, um, you know, when I read the Bible, 
I, you know, I'm going to get into some of this later, but when I read it in the Bible, sometimes I kind of look with rose-colored glasses. I look and read about all these people. I mean, Paul's writing a letter to Timothy, and, you know, quite frankly, when I first came to this church, I didn't know who Timothy was, you know. I, I you know, and, and so I just, when I read the Bible, that they're so powerful. They're like superheroes. They can do anything. This is, they're gifted. They're remarkable. They're holy. They're extraordinary and doing, we can't forget that they were just people. As good as, and, and that's what, that elevates God, you know, because they were just regular people trying to live a spiritual life, just like you and I are trying to live a spiritual life. And I'm sure they blew it. They did blow it all the time. They were flawed. People in the Bible were flawed. That floored me when I first came to church. I expected, you know, everybody's perfect and and they exhibit a lot of limitation, limitation, limitations, limitations. And uh, I mean, sometimes in the beginning, they're kind of frail in their faith, and and, and they don't, they're not qualified. They haven't gone through all the classes. Paul, for example, the one who wrote this letter, he had incredible Bible knowledge. He was considered a Pharisee, which means he was very legalistic and he knew the Bible. The first five books of the Bible, pretty much, he had memorized. The kind of students that they did then. So he was really smart, but he didn't like these new Christians at first. He persecuted them. He was part of their murders. I mean, he was, he was so about rules that he was, he was all about putting people in prison and getting them killed until he ran into Christ. Until he ran into Christ. Man, despite all of, all the, you know, all of this, God used all of these people in a mighty way. Some that you heard of and some that you haven't. And this is significant to me because God can't use us. We, we think God can't use us the same way that he does those people in the Bible. And we, we compare ourselves to really a false standard, not looking at these people for who they really were. Followers of Jesus, empowered by Christ. Because see, Timothy, he was not Paul. In fact, Timothy felt at first very unqualified, yet he was still Paul's representative. Paul, um, Paul makes this point abundantly in um, 1 Corinthians 4. <coughs> and he, he's writing to the Corinthians, okay? And he goes, so I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ just as I teach all in the churches wherever I go. So basically, he's going, hey, Corinth, I'm sending this, guy, this young dude named Timothy. He's kind of young. He's kind of sickly. He's got a bad tummy. You'll see that in Scripture, this bad tummy, <laughs> Timothy's him. What I don't like is celebrate recovery. Paul gives him wine to fix the tummy. Maybe he wanted him to throw up or something. <laughs> but uh, just let him point to me. As let him point you to me as I point you to Christ. So you may think, really? That was Timothy's job? That's, that's my role? See, it was. It was. At that time, God did not appoint Timothy to be a role model, but the one pointing to the role model. The whole point here is you may not feel qualified. You may not feel qualified, but you do have a role. You do have a role. And I, I want to ask you this. Are you open to God using you in the role that he has in mind. Even though you feel unqualified, 
you can be very effective in faithfulness and sharing that faith with others. Let me, let me look at the first part of the next verse here. It's 2 Timothy 1, 5. I remember your faith was genuine. Genuine faith. Not go to church faith. Not generational faith. Now, I'm not saying that going not to go to church. I mean, church is a part of building a faithfulness environment. And I'm not saying if you were introduced to Jesus by someone in your family, like your mom or your dad or, or someone like that, that it's not, it's not genuine. Uh, I'm just saying that genuine faith is an individual responsibility. Just because your parents don't go to church doesn't mean you're going to get it. And, you know, just because you go to church doesn't mean that you've created a, an, a life and an environment of faithfulness. Now, you may have been introduced by the church or, the fam or your family. And I, like I say, I'm not saying that it's not original, but you need to nurture. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It needs to be watered and nurtured and ready. And by creating an environment of faithfulness in our hearts, in our lives, that are genuine. Genuine faithfulness. It's natural. It becomes natural. It becomes organic. It becomes obvious. It becomes apparent. Genuine faith produces sharing and boy do we need that in this world today you know I, I was guilty of this before Christ opened my eyes the world narrative sees the church sees Christians as judgmental maybe hateful hypocritical isolating and and, and even out of touch and too often that's what a go to church faith may look like it's not true here at Core Church, you know, and because and you know what, they, uh, they, we stand on this. It's not a Sunday church. It's an everyday church, right? And we do that at Abba Compassionate Ministries Recovery. We do our service on Saturday night. It's not Saturday night I come and recover. It's every day. It's every day. It's every day. So, and we do that by building a foundation on Christ. To be available. Let me, let me go ahead and read the whole um, uh, verse here. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. I want to add a little bit about maybe not feeling qualified. Another thing about Timothy is he didn't come from the right background. He was biracial. There was a lot of racism in the biblical days. He was neither Jew nor fully Greek. Acts 16, um, Luke is, is, is saying that Paul came to Derby and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. <laughs> he was Greek. Yeah, it doesn't say whether Timothy's father is a believer or not. I mean, we, Scripture really doesn't make that clear. But, but it could imply that where he said, well, the mom's a believer, but the dad was Greek, you know. So, but we don't really know. But if he was, if he was a part of Timothy's spiritual development, isn't that typical dad? Dads get no credit ever. You know, when my son, when he, would, when he played football and he's on the camera or he's over there, what's the thing he does? Hi, mom. Who was out there every day with them? Just, you know, 
you know, catching fly balls and doing all, hi, mom, you know. So dad's getting no credit. He certainly didn't, Timothy's dad certainly didn't get credit here. And I, I wonder if maybe Timothy's dad was a, a disconnected dad that just worked all the time and didn't go to temple and, and maybe, um, you know, he wanted him to do well, but he just wasn't, wasn't connected or anything. You know, he wanted to stay home and cut the grass or watch the game or something when it was time to go to church. Well, I'll tell you what, there, I see a lot of men in here. You guys are not those kind of men. It's time for men to step up and be a part of the spiritual development in their families' lives and, and to create an environment of faithfulness. That's one thing I love. We get to witness the restoration of families at Abba Compassionate Ministries. I've seen families, I see a bunch of them here. There are different levels of restoration where there was hopeless, then they entered an environment of faithfulness and families gets restored. That's what Jesus does. You know? So I, I do want to concentrate on two people here. And it's Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice. They obviously created an environment of faithfulness that stuck with Timothy. And, and I, I want to ask, who has a literal grandma or mother that creates a spiritual environment? You know, Brad, thank you for raising a hand. I got to tell you something real quick. Brad has his thing is turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I'm a, a Lois, right? Turn to the person next. I'm going to shout. I'm going to Terry Snell. Me and him occasionally will do an over and under on how many times Brad will ask us to turn our head. I'm sorry, Brad. I'm sorry. And really, the over usually wins, you know, to be honest. The over usually wins. I'm kind of a raise your hand guy. Whether you raise your hand or not, I'm going to say raise your hand. You know, that's, that's more old school than to turn your head and look at someone. But I'm a little bit, a little bit older than Brad, so... But how many of you do have like a grandma or a mom or dad or something that had created a spiritual environment for you? Very good, very good. How many of you do not? Right? I tell you, there's a lot of you. Uh, how many have a spiritual replacement, Lois and Eunice? It could be anybody. How many have that? Ah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's actually what Paul was for Timothy, to be, to be honest with you. I got to tell you, you don't have to be a Jima or a Papa or a Mama to be a Eunice or a Lois in someone's life. You know, I, Alicia and I are on the prayer team, and there's a bunch of us on the prayer team. As a matter of fact, Terry kind of coordinates the prayer team. I can't tell you how many people come up and are praying for their family. And if you've done that, you're a Lois, you're a Eunice, you know. The people come up and go, oh, or, or their mom, or their dad, or their brother, or their sister. That is the beginning of creating an environment. It's a part of creating an environment, prayer. It's a part of that. Let me ask you this. Are you a Lois or a Eunice for somebody? Oh, yeah, got a couple hands, maybe somebody. To, you're being humble, I know. You don't want to say, yes, I'm a spiritual mother and father to these people. You know, I, I have found that there's two categories of people who need hope and enter an environment of faithfulness. Actually, everybody needs it, but pretty much everyone falls into these categories. And the first one I call the wounded soldier. 
wounded soldier is somebody who grew up going to church and have somewhat of a foundation with God and, and then had some kind of a crisis. You know, maybe a death of a loved one or a divorce or a, or a crippling fatal diagnosis or, or an addiction or something like that. And they've kind of turned their back on God for a spell in their life. You know, and, and I tell you what, uh, those kind of prayers that come from the wounded soldier is stuff like, I know you're real, God. And I know I've turned my back on you, but Lord, I just can't live this way anymore. Will you please bring me back? And then there's someone, there's a Lois, there's a Eunice, there's an environment of faithfulness that they know they can come back to. The second one is a lost wanderer. And a lost wanderer is somebody that really never had a foundation of church or God growing up. How many here today grew up without much church? Right on. I'm right there with you, man. For those of us that got saved late in life, um, believe it I, I, or not, I wasn't always the spiritual giant that you see <laughs> ahead of you. Uh, but I remember me doing this prayer as getting saved late in life, and it was, God, if you're real, if there's really a God up there, I can't do it. I need your help. Please, I need your help. So most people have fallen down. My wife and I, Alicia, give it up for my wife, Alicia. See, I, I claim to be the spiritual giant, but she does all the work, you know? So, so um, my wife and Alicia would probably fit in the lost wanderer category. Our, you know, our parents were awesome. They really were. They loved us. They provided for us. But they really had no, nothing, no interest in anything spiritual or there wasn't a Bible in our house and we really never went to church. We went to church every once in a while. Uh, it, like I always like to say, we were sort of Catholic. Like every three years we'd go to a, <laughs> every three years we'd go to a, a Christmas Eve midnight mass so we could drink the hard eggnog, you know. And, <laughs> and, and, so, and then, you know, hey, we went to church. Awesome, you know. And, and it was very non contact you know but you know what we did have a spiritual replacement for Lois and Eunice and their names were Kenny and Missy you know I just talked about being Catholic oddly their last name was Pope <laughs> so uh, true story you know and, and Alicia and I were introduced to Christ by our son's third grade coach an environment of faithfulness this third grade, and his wife, uh, this man had a shaved head on purpose, and he had sleeved out tattoos, had piercings everywhere, and those of you who uh, celebrate recovery, you hear me talk about this guy all the time. He wore a toe ring. <laughs> you know, I can handle the shaved head, the sleeved out tats, the piercing, but the toe ring really kind of threw me off. <laughs> I got to be honest. It kind of it kind of threw me off. And uh, <laughs> I wouldn't dare say anything because he looked like a mean biker, right, Stan? I mean, he wasn't, but he looked like a mean biker and I was like, "Oh, nice toe ring." You know. <laughs> Don't hurt me, you know. But yeah, you know, this church preaches and Brad has talked in many of the easiest way to create an environment of faithfulness is these three I words. 
and it's intercede, invest, and inform. Man, without knowing it, Kenny and Missy did that for me and Alicia. We didn't see them intercede or pray, but I'm certain they did. You know, I am certain that they did. What they did do is because their son played football and our son played football, they invested in us. And why, I don't know. I mean, they would uh, they'd ask us out to dinner, and Alicia and I were in our alcoholism and in our addiction, and I, you know, they'd ask us to dinner, we'd drink three, four pitchers of margaritas. And you know, what was odd is we were the rowdy ones. You know, we looked like a suburban, we tried to fake it. We looked like a suburban youngward upper couple with a little boy and everything's great. And they looked like a biker duo, like from Hell's Angels. And, and we were the alcoholics in the attics. You know, and, and the, the mo one of the biggest things, they invited us to a Christmas party. Oh, no. they, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they invited all the other parents, and, and we kind of gone, is there going to be any, you know, is there going to be any of that? And, oh, no, we're just going to, okay. So Alicia and I said, we'll go, and we had a safe word to get out, peanut butter. Okay, we got to go, peanut butter. <laughs> Oh, these are, these are great peanut butter cookies. Gotcha, hon. We're out, you know. So we had our safe word. And, uh, but what's weird is we sat around, and the food was great. This environment of faithfulness kind of overtook us, right? We knew they had a fish on their car. We were trying to run from the fish, you know. And the only fish I knew in the Bible swallowed a dude, you know. And, uh, and so we, we're running from the fish, and we're... But we, we sit there, and all of a sudden, time got away, and we're laughing so hard. We're having so much. But they're real. They're nothing what I imagined Christians would be. They were real. They blew it sometimes, but they always went back. to the, They were faithful. They were good to their kids. They did all these things that me and Alicia just really didn't understand until we drove home. And we're driving home. I went, grabbed my wallet, and I went, oh, my goodness, honey, all my money is still in my wallet. I have not just emptied it at the bar. And, and you know what? We're not so hammered. We're going to remember what happened at this party. Or for my case, I'm not going to be up for three or four more days. You guys know what I'm talking about over here, you know. It was amazing that we could have that much fun without damaging ourselves like we were used to doing. And they created an environment of faithfulness to where we could start asking questions, and, and they, we did that, and they were church shopping, and they invited us to church, which is a part of it, a big, big part, but it's not about just inviting people to church. It is about that, but it's about investing in someone. That's the easiest way to share faith, because now we, yeah, amen. Uh, yes, invest in someone, because now we trusted them. Now we would go, okay. We'll give it a shot because we like you, and shoot, you're a biker couple, so if you can, you know, go in there, surely they would do us. And, and, and we got invited to church, and uh, it was so weird. Anybody new that comes to church as an older person, you have that feeling, oh, that lightning's going to strike me down. If they just knew what I did, they would go. I expected to see some guy, you know, I, I imagined Somebody like in the sound booth or something that had all these cameras and going, we have unacceptable sinners breaching the perimeter. Unacceptable sinners breaching the perimeter. Let me contact uh, greeting team. Greeting team. Greet you got me? 
Greeting team, I hear you. Execute evacuation protocol. Execute evacuation protocol. That is not what happened. Not only was there an environment of faithfulness with the popes, Kenny and Missy. I don't want to, you know, confuse the dynamics there. But Kenny and Missy and the church they invited us to. Because they brothered and sistered us. You know what that means? It was almost scary. Hey, brother, hi. <laughs> That's about how was it me and Alicia's reaction. We, we were trying to hit the back row. Oh, brother, come on in. Oh, brother, have a bagel. Oh, brother, have a cup of coffee. Yeah, oh, it's so good to see you. Are you Kenny and Missy's friend? Hey, pastor, come and meet them. We're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but that began our journey. That was, that was how we were witnessed to. That's how a couple shared, Kenny and Missy, shared their faith with Buddy and Alicia. You know? Yeah, amen. They were our spiritual replacement of Lois and Eunice. All right, I'm going to do a Bible test. It's real easy. How many people heard of Paul? Okay. How many have heard of Paul before you read the Bible? Okay, how many heard of Timothy before you read the Bible? Yeah, good part of it. Quite frankly, when we first came into the Bible scene, I didn't know who Timothy was. I just thought of that Timothy from the 60s, remember? Some of you guys don't know. Now, until today, how many people remember who Lois and Eunice are? They don't get the big accolades. There's not uh, the book of Lois. Second Eunice, one. You know, it's not there. But they, they shared their faith with Timothy. They installed it so much that it's strong. And Paul fanned the flames. My point here is you don't have to be a Peter, a Paul, a Timothy, a John, or even a, a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa or someone like that to create an environment of faithfulness and share your faith with some. Anybody can be a Lois and a Eunice. It's not that hard. You just got to love people. Anybody can be a Kenny and a Missy. It's just not that hard. You're, it, your neighbor's right across the street. It's your friend at work. It's your friend at school. They're there. You know, it, it's just not that hard. <laughs> Let me go to the next verse here, and it's uh, 2 Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Creating an environment of faithfulness for sharing it can be done, but, you know, it's hard work. Kenny and Missy had to put in some time, you know. They had to put in some time. I can just imagine that they went back home and went, Lord, this just ain't going to happen. Did you see how many margaritas they drank? You know, I mean, this just ain't going to happen. But I, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. That changed the direction of Buddy and Alicia's life in so many ways. I can't even imagine. It's worth it. Uh, you can be a Lois and Eunice, a Kennedy and Missy. It's worth it. It's not a one and done deal. But it's worth it. Remember when Brad spoke a couple weeks ago about how beach sand sticks to you? I'm from Louisiana. And Bayou Beach Sand, it sticks. It gets on you. You can't wash it off. You can't get it out of your sheets. It takes six months to wash all of that. Faithfulness sticks to you as well. It sticks to you. It's an aura people see. It's like 
building a fire, you have to keep it stoked or the flames will go out. When my friend Jerry makes barbecue and he smokes those delightful ribs with that intoxicating smell. Wait, I need a moment. Man, he has to smoke that meat low and slow, right? I know there's other barbecue connoisseurs here. You smoke the meat low and slow. And when you do it, you're out there in it, and then that, that barbecue smell, that mesquite, that hickory, that cherry, whatever wood you're using, it gets all on you, and man, is it awesome. You can build an environment of faithfulness that also has an irresistible aroma. When people's life hit the fan, do they come to you? They go, hey, I, I mean, I really haven't talked to them, but they're real nice people. I, I can do that. You see, do others see you as faithful? Not perfect by any stretch of the means, but faithful. Faithfulness means just keeping the fire stoked. The last verse I want to read is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power love and self-discipline now when i first hear this man i feel like storming the gates of hell with a squirt gun and a super soaker and we're gonna go are you safe are you safe we're gonna bring it no no maybe uh, no it is inspiring i think paul is saying here don't be afraid or anxious that's what he's saying right and and it and it's know that faithfulness is powerful filled with love and discipline and I tell you the world needs an environment of faithfulness right now there are faces of people out there some that you know and some that you have not seen yet that are dying they're in a hotel room going God I need you they're in their bedroom in their suburban neighborhood God I need you they're at work going I can't do this what is there any hope and then they enter an environment of faithfulness and an opportunity to share God wants to use you and he wants to use me to build that environment and I encourage you to either begin or encourage to build an environment of faithfulness let's pray Heavenly Father I just Lord I hope my words were, were from you Lord and I just pray that it penetrated the hearts it needed to and, and pierce the ears that it needed to Lord and I pray that you give us strength to just look at the next person not as a drunk or an addict or anything else but as your child one that needs your faithfulness and your hope Lord we love you and praise you in Jesus holy name amen we hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.